Yo, 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 yo. just me this week, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Darian. I have not given up yet, and I have no intention of doing so. So if you think you're going to listen to every episode of this here podcast and somehow outlast me, you're not going to. You're not going to. You're not going to do it. You probably already gave up and quit listening months ago, years ago. I don't know. You know I've, been, is, I've been almost doing this 11 years, goddammit. Uh, I, I, I don't think I can stop now, even if I wanted to. I'm still here. Even when it's just little old me like tonight. That's okay. I got no Jason. I got no Buddy. I got no uh, Monica or anybody else for that matter. It's just little old me. What better way... Oh, shit. What better way to start off Evil Dead Month than with a solo show? The only way this would be any more appropriate is if I was in a cabin in the woods. Which I am not, but would still be pretty cool if I was. I know the music just cut in and out for a second there because I'm fidgeting with shit on my soundboard. And I need to stop that. Alright, anyway, I got the usual show to get into here, inmates. A few quick announcements before I uh, jump right in. Number one, some of my longer standing listeners out there may remember a guy by the name of Dr. Dale. Uh, he's a good friend of the show. He used to be a, co- a co-host here on the Padded Room. Uh, he's having some medical issues, just like everybody else. Dr. Dale has succumbed to the curse of the Padded Room. And now he is in the hospital and may indeed have to have his, uh, at least a couple of toes, possibly his entire foot amputated. Um... He's diabetic, man, and he doesn't take very good care of himself. And he got some kind of a weirdo bone infection. He's got pretty much the same fucking thing that Buddy's mom is going through. I'm telling there's something in this room. I apparently am immune to it. Uh, my feet are fine. I uh, keep my weight under control. Uh, everybody else blows up, gets diabetes, and has to start having uh, feet cut off. So, anyway, uh, let's all wish Dr. Dale the best. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't have to lose, like, the whole leg or the whole... He might He might be okay. He might just get away with losing a couple of toes. But um, what we really need to hope for is that this is a, a big, fat wake-up call, no pun intended, for him. Uh, for him to start taking better care of himself. Get... Lose some fucking weight, man. That's the source of your problems right there. You know what I'm saying? You get to be that big, and then your body has... Well, your body is just a amorphous blob at that point. 
And, uh, you know, getting that much weight up and down the stairs and to work and back is a lot of work. It puts a lot of stress and pressure on different parts of your body and makes your blood pressure shoot right through the fucking roof. Before you know it, you're having a goddamn uh, pinky toe cut off. Uh, so there's that. Let's all wish Dr. Dale the best. And uh, hopefully he uh, benefits from this somehow, uh, starts taking better care of himself. All right, that's the regular horror show. Now let's get to some horror movies, <laughs> shall we? I got horror news. I got listener mail. I got all the usual stuff. How about we kick things off with a little bit of the old horror news? <laughs> horror news. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see what's on the uh, agenda this week. What did we miss out on? Well, I'll tell you what we did not miss out on. Scream Factory has announced a 4K edition of The Fog, Army of Darkness, and Evil Dead from 2013. <sighs> now, you know Scream Factory. You love them. They're going to put a whole bunch of extra shit in there. Bonus features, uh, maybe a steelbook thing. I don't know. They're pretty good like that, so... No release dates on any of these yet, but they are definitely on the horizon. Keep an eye out for that shit. You're going to love it. <clears throat> Speaking of things that I love, looks like Shudder has renewed the last drive-in for a fifth season. We're going to get more Joe Bob and Darcy the Mail Girl. I love that about them. Um, I, if, you're not, if you haven't checked out the last drive-in on Shudder, you should do it. They basically play a movie... Joe Bob chimes in periodically and drops knowledge on you about the movie, things you didn't know, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, you know, little snippets, trivia, things like that. I'm a, and he does the classic movies too. So you're gonna all your favorites are up there, but they kind of rotate in and out. So that's kind of a thing. You are definitely gonna want to check it out. There's already four seasons up there, plus a bunch of holiday specials and other little fun things. They did like a, a marathon where they were auctioning off stuff at one point. Uh, fine, go, just here's what you want to do. You want to go in there. You want to look. You go to Shutter. Look up the last drive-in. Find your favorite movie on there. Uh, in my case, it's Night of the Living Dead. Watch that one and just be bombarded with information about Night of the Living Dead or whatever your favorite movie is. It's nuts, man. The amount of research that goes into that. I'm not saying he does all the research, but... Somebody does, and he reads it, so he should get at least partial credit, I think, in a funny and entertaining way. Uh, are you guys up on the Dune stuff? You know, uh, fucking, what is it, Frank Herbert's Dune? I don't know, <laughs> whoever that guy is. Whoever that dude is that wrote the, the Dune. Um, <laughs> Dune sequel has gotten a November 2023 release date. So, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about Dune. Um, I tried to watch the David Lynch uh, Dune movie. I couldn't. I couldn't do it. Eventually, I will get to this one. This one looks pretty good. Sequel coming out next year. Do I need to read the books? I'm not going to. I don't think I'm going to do that. It's, it's too much, man. Um, fuck me. What is there, like 45 of them or something like that? I'm working my way through the Horace Heresy novels. All right, there's 58 of those fucking things, and they're still cranking them out. Uh, I'm on book nine. I have just got... It's a Warhammer thing. I know nobody knows what the hell I'm talking about, but it is a whole thing. And I don't think I'm going to live long enough to get to the 
to get up, even get up to where we are right now in the Horus Heresy. It's a whole thing. I have no time for Dune. On top of that, I'm trying to learn Italian. So if anybody out there can speak Italian, um, buongiorno. <laughs> that's, that's as far as I got. Uh, rumors are circulating about Nev Campbell's return for Scream 6 and possibly 7. So here's what happened. Um, they came at Nev Campbell and said, hey, we're going to make a Scream 6. Will you please join us? And she said, sure. How much are you going to pay me? And then they said, here's how much we're going to pay you. And she said, that's not enough. And they said, okay, goodbye. Then everybody uh, went into like some moral outrage over the whole thing. And now the rumor is that they have uh, offered her more money and she has accepted and is now going to be, uh, has signed a two-picture deal for, to be in Scream 6 and 7. Now, a couple of things. Number one, I'm not mad at this. And I'm not mad at Nev Campbell. Um you take some of the Scream Queens. Take like a uh, Heather Langenkamp. Now, she has bit she was Nightmare on Elm Street, obviously Nightmare on Elm Street 3, uh, then came back for the new Nightmare. What else has she done? Absolutely nothing. She had a cameo in Hellraiser Judgment. Uh, she's just an older old lady now. Um, she's not that great of an actress. Nev Campbell, I feel like, uh, is much better of an actress than a Heather Langenkamp. And much more attractive. And has been more of a staple in the Scream franchise than Heather Langenkamp ever was in Nightmare on Elm Street. So that being said, I personally don't care if they bring her back or not. I've kind of, having just come out of Scream month, I'm a bit over it, I guess, for lack of... I'll check out Scream 6 when it comes out. I'll probably check out Scream 7 also. But for right now, I'm good. You know what I mean? Give me some Aiden Penitentiary in there maybe even an emma roberts i don't know but uh yeah let's 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 just let it all simmer for a minute okay that's what i'm saying not 10 years like we usually do give me another screen movie in like three and then i'll then i'll come back to you uh what else we got here supernatural prequel series now <laughs> okay was it has it is anybody still watching? Is it, was there like a uh, giant resurgence in the Supernatural TV show? It went like 21 seasons. I get that. People love themselves some Supernatural. That's fine. Um, is it scary? No. It has horror elements. It's more like a... Uh, it, it's really... You ju- if you're watching it, it's because you want to see those two guys take their shirts off. Right? Is that That's what it boils down to? It's fine. They're hunky boys. I get it. They look good. Um, but I, I don't, I, I, I watched, uh, probably the first three seasons and it became very repetitive. Um, they have to go rescue some hottie, uh, and, uh, they're going to fall in love by the end of the show. She's going to get killed. And then one of them is going to be heartbroken, rinse and repeat. Eventually they find, track their dad down. Who's played by, uh, Negan. And then he gets into the equation and then, we add on some extra characters round about season 9 or 12 or whatever. And uh, we kill off some other ones, season 14, 15. It's fine. It's fine. Um, did it need to go as long as it did? Apparently so. Because from what I understand, there's like supernatural conventions happening, right? You ca- you cosplay as one of these dudes, I guess, if you, you have the abs for it. Um, do we need a prequel series? 
That's what I'm. That's what I'm asking. Twenty-one seasons is a long fucking time, boys and girls. And I'm assuming that uh, what is it? The CW that put this show out. They're really reaching. They must be in trouble without Supernatural. If they're if they're going to do a prequel series. Hey, I don't know. I know uh, Jensen Ackles has moved on to it. He's in the boys now. You know, he's got other things going on. I don't know about the other guy with the long hair, but uh, I don't know. If you want to, I'm not. I'm not going to check it out. I'm done with Supernatural. All right, that's all I got in the horror news. How about some listener mail, you maniacs? Listener mail. Yeah. Oh, yep, yep, nope, there we go. Uh, let's see what's going on here. Let's kick things off out on the open road. Our main man, Freddy, is in the house. Freddy, the truck driver, subject line, I can keep up. Okay. Uh, hey, folks, hope everyone had a safe fourth and still have all your fingers. Voting for my pack, don't think the home invaders stand a chance and hoping for a blowout. I will actually get to follow with this month's movies because I have them all in my rig. Stay safe out there. Cheers, Freddy. Hey, thanks for writing in, Freddy. Now, when you say you have all the movies in your rig, uh, does that include um, the remake from 2013, and does it also include the uh, Evil Dead vs. Ash TV show, or limited series, I guess you would call it? I don't know. I don't, you have to get back to me on that, Freddie. Um, more to the point, and this is kind of the difficult question, what exactly is part of that franchise? Because if you go deep, and I will go deep, into the Ash versus Evil Dead, there's some holes there. You know what I'm saying? There's some things that happened throughout the movies that are completely omitted from the, the, the show and never mentioned or spoken about or anything at all. If you've seen the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> We'll get more into that as the uh, the month goes on, though. Thanks for writing in, Freddie. Uh, you stay safe out there, my friend. How was everybody's 4th of July? I completely forgot about that. Mine was pretty lackluster. Um, we had planned on celebrating my son's birthday last weekend. His birthday is July 2nd, so we kind of got shafted as far as birthdays go because everybody that we know goes out of town for the 4th of July. And uh, we just have to stay here and pretty much celebrate by ourselves. But uh, what's even worse is this year he got fucking some kind of a stomach bug. So even our plans of going to the water park took a big fat dump on us because he was taking big fat dumps all over my house. So that really sucked. And that was my 4th of July weekend. Okay, back to the uh, listener mail here. Let's get over to jolly old England. Here comes the horror slut. Cats in the house. Subject line, happy treason day. She's allowed to say that because she's in, uh, she's in, in uh, England. She's English. So, you know, that's what, that's what the 4th of July is to them. Subject line, happy treason day. Evening, gents, and happy treason day, treason day you yanks. Hope you were all safe and kept all your fingers. Really quick tonight, as I'm in the middle of yet another double shift, I absolutely adore the Evil Dead movies and look forward to hearing what you have to say about them. Terradome, I am torn. While I think the werewolves could win easily, I can't help but think about how most home invaders are usually prepared and research their targets. I think there is a chance the invaders could 
could know who they were attacking and possibly come prepared so they will get my vote tonight. Wow, cats. All righty. I wasn't expecting that, but I will certainly lock you in for the home invaders. Um, possibly be prepared to get my vote tonight. I know it's a slim, a slim bit of a chance, but a logical possibility. Hope you all have a safe and healthy week. Cat, she sent a uh, picture of a very disgruntled Queen of England. And the uh, caption reads, Happy Treason Day, you ungrateful colonials. <laughs> oh. Thanks for writing in, Cat. Uh, I, I know you guys probably don't do anything for the 4th of July over in England, as you shouldn't. But, uh, really, do you need an excuse to have a barbecue and light off fireworks? If you need one, go ahead and do it on the 4th of July, like us. You can call it Treason Day and get just as hammered as we do and uh, blow, some, blow some fingers off. You got ten of them. Well, mo- I think you have ten of them. I hope you have ten of them. You, you could lose like a like the knuckle on your pinky finger. You don't use it anyway. Or maybe you do. I don't know. <laughs> All right, Kat. Thank you for writing in. Your Your votes are locked in as well. That was it on the email. We do have some voicemails coming in. Not a lot on the uh, the listener mail front. I noticed that we never get as much listener mail on holiday weekends, and I understand why. Who the fuck wants to, you know, dick off with some podcast when you could be getting hammered and, uh, I don't know, uh, jumping into a lake or something like that. Whatever, whatever you're up to on 4th of July. I don't know. Uh, let's see here. Speaking of hammer jumping into a lake, let's start things off with Sir Alan of the Cha-Cha. Oh, shit. Why does it keep doing that? Padded Room, what's up? What's Hope up, everybody's Alan? doing good. Terradome, give me the werewolves, because unless the home invaders got silver bullets, they're just spamming a can. <laughs> uh, Mr. Darian, are you the legend of Hell House? You got me. Uh, the question about the franchise, I thought that was a good question. Yeah. I kind of always figured, you know, kind of agree with you, Darian. Four. At least four. Yeah. That's Maybe my more. thoughts. Um, anyway, that's all I got. Y'all have a good one. Bye. You too, Alan. Thank you for calling in. He makes, he, I mean, four seems to be the magic number because... You can, I, I, but then I think to myself, you know, a trilogy, you can make an initial offering with the idea of a trilogy in mind. Take, for example, as I mentioned last week, the Fear Street movies. I don't think we're going to get any more Fear Street movies because the first one was made with the intention of making two more, which they did, and thus the trilogy, and now that's it. Same thing with sequels. Um... You like to think you're going, you might stretch out for another sequel or a prequel or a quote-unquote requel later on down the road. But if it doesn't, you just have the first one and the follow-up, and that's okay. But when you get into four, that's, uh, that I feel like is the magic number. Because now we're past the point of a trilogy, and really after four, the sky is the limit. But you never know which way they're going to go. You could, you could do like a Hellraiser. You know what I'm saying? Where one, amazing, two, pretty pretty fucking good, three, didn't make a lot of sense, but eh, it is alright. Four, answered a lot of questions and posed a few more, but still 
We're still in the congruity of the timeline. And then after four, we got like six or eight more of them, and none of them made a fucking lick of sense. Uh, they just ha- happened to have Pinhead in them, and that was that. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, really, if you asked me what I thought of the Hellraiser, quote-unquote, franchise, I would say it stopped at four. I would say that was the end of it. After that, uh, ownership of rights got changed hands, different fucking creative uh, influences, and, you know, we got to make a movie, we don't have one, just make a different movie and shove Doug Bradley in there in the pinhead outfit, and we'll call it Hellraiser or something. I don't. That's just my opinion. I'm sticking. I'm with you, Alan. I think four is the magic number when it comes to the franchise. But uh, thank you very much for calling in, my friend. I'm going to lock you in for the werewolves because that makes sense, Alan. That makes sense. Natural predators, apex predators. You think the uh, the neighborhood kids with their fun masks are going to do anything against lycanthropes? I say nay. But you're entitled to your own opinion. Uh, speaking of their own opinions, here comes Mr. Tom Hardy. Hey, padded room. How's my favorite degenerates this week? It's just me. I hope everyone is doing well. Hope I'm, everyone had a uh, good Fourth of July. I'm hope okay. Everyone has all their appendages still. I got uh, mine. Always a uh, check mark there, huh? <laughs> hey, I wanted to get in real quick uh, on the Terror Dome. Yeah, what we do you have think? The uh, werewolves and the uh, home invaders, sir. And you know, I just. You got to go with the werewolf. Of course. On one. I just don't right? see how uh, the home invaders. I mean, like, you think about it, kind of like what makes them scary is, uh, you know, they got you isolated. Right. And you're trapped inside your house and you can't, you know, call out for help. Right. And I just don't see how that's going to work with the uh, werewolves. Um, yeah. You know, it's, uh, that's how they're going to operate is, is trapping you. Like, let's say they trap the werewolves in a uh, cabin or whatever. Okay. I just don't see how they're going to be able to take down the werewolves. No way. Where they, uh, where they take them out. So put me down for the uh, werewolves and the Terradome. You got it, man. Um, on the what are you looking at department, um, I got to finish the uh, Midnight Mask series. It's a good uh, show. Or Midnight Mask series. That's yeah. uh, pretty good, man. I, I enjoyed it. Sure. Uh, I got to say, um, that director there, Flanagan, quickly becoming uh, one Love of my favorites. Mine you know, too. I really enjoyed uh, uh, Oculus. Of course, Hush and Hush. a couple of, something else there he did, I remember. Uh, Absentia. But, uh, for the series, i got to say, I still think Hill House was his best uh, of that those three series. And then, I, you know, uh, I'd say Midnight Mass and then the, the Black Gerald, Banner. Gerald's game yeah, also. Yeah, uh, that guy's got some good stuff out there. He man. does. I, I actually uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, not to get back on this, but if, if, if there is such a thing as, you know, elevated horror or whatever. Yes, sir. And I'd, I'd say this guy does it pretty well. You know, he's, he's got a really good story, good characters, interesting, keeps interested, and you can just enjoy it for what it is at face value, or you can delve deeper and maybe find deeper meaning or not. And oh. I, that's just my thing. Sure. But um, while I was uh, sitting around, I had... Had the kids over, you know, the kids are at home stuff with the summer, and then they had some of their friends over. And nice. I was like, ah, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to try and catch some flicks here. You know, I can't watch, can't watch, like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, you, you know, could. Or Solo, or anything like that. Maybe not kids that around, So I said, fuck <laughs> it, man, I'm going to. I'm going to try and catch up on some of these old, you know, black and white flicks. I mean, sure. Nothing can be too 
too bad, you know, in a black and white. I mean, I'm, I'm going to stay away from, like, Night of the Living Dead, Psycho and shit. But, okay. Uh, so I caught these flicks. They were from, like, the 1930s. Wow. One of them was uh, The Sphinx, and then the other one was Sphinx. Tomorrow at 7. Okay. Sounds interesting. Uh, GP'd. So before we move on, he called back not to not not to cut him off or anything. But before we move on, let's let's address that part. So he doesn't want to show his kids Night of the Living Dead or um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now I've seen both. I mean, I've of course I've seen both of those. My kids have seen both of those. It's a Thanksgiving tradition here in the Brock House that we watch a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now. They are, they, these are my kids, though. You know what I mean? I ha, They come in and out of this room all day long looking at shit and touching things. And I try to keep them out, but they don't give a crap. Uh, my House of a Thousand Corpses poster is up along with my very busty Elvira signed poster. Saw, memorabilia, phantasm stuff, Candyman, you name it. It's all over the walls in this room. And as well as my entire Blu-ray and DVD collection, which they are more than welcome to help themselves to at any point. Now, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, massacre, sure. Uh, Night of the Living Dead, yeah. Uh, Too Frightening? I don't think so, as long as we have the, the, the conversation, which we have had, about the difference between reality and movies. And if you watch those movies with them, uh, well, depending on what, what it is you're worried about them taking from the movie. You know, if you're worried about them having nightmares, then really you can boil the whole thing down to special effects and writing and directing and producing and which actor is playing who and things like that. Make sure that they understand they are watching a uh, work of fiction, despite the John Larroquette voiceover at the beginning, which fucked me up pretty good as a kid because nobody ever had that conversation with me. Um Solo, I get that. That's a little graphic, but um, and that that's just going to lead you down a road of entirely different conversations. That I don't know how old your kids are, Tom Hardy, but uh, mine are now eight and five, and uh, that they're 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 not horror veterans, but they are. I, I open up my library to them to come in here and tell, but like Deacon, who just turned eight, um, has, he marathoned the entire Friday the 13th franchise with me, uh, to include Freddy versus Jason and, uh, the remake. Mostly he's interested in the nudity, which I understand completely, but more to the point, uh, he's not worried about Jason Voorhees because he has Jason Voorhees plushies in his room that he adores. And uh, we've had the conversation about whether or not Jason is real or make-believe. You understand that? So, I, whether I'm not telling you how to raise your kids, Tom Hardy. I think that, um, by all means, you know, show them what you're comfortable with them seeing. Uh, I grew up with this stuff. Other than the point of being a narcissistic asshole with a podcast, <laughs> I think I turned out okay. My wife might disagree, but that's a whole other conversation. All right, let's get back to Tom Hardy here. <clears throat> now that I've rambled on long enough, he loves dragging me off on these tangents, though. Tom Hardy does. All right, GP, baby. G motherfucking P. Hell yeah. 
Hell yeah. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, tomorrow at 7 in the Sphinx. Both of them advertised themselves as horror movies. However, both were like murder mysteries, yeah. you know, uh, whodunit type Crime of thing. Noir kind of I things. find good enough, you know, for background kind of shit, but sure. uh, I, I'd say stay away. Uh, not, nothing special about either of them. Yeah. Uh, even the one called The Sphinx, I was like, well, there's got to be a little something going. No. No. No, nothing at all. All right. Um, oh, and final thing, got to address it. Uh, Sir. The uh, educating department. Come on, I, Tom I guess Hardy. this is the end of the fucking stream. No, Tom Hardy. One. Although, I got to say, this does sound really familiar. Come and on now. If it's one that I'm like, ah, no shit, I'm going to be really <laughs> fucking pissed <laughs> But anyway, hope all is well. Love you like family. Love you too, Tom Hardy. Uh, it, I, I was Legend of Hell of Hill Hell House Hell House. I always get Hell House and Hill House confused. Uh, Legend of Hell House. That's the one about the house, the haunted house. Legend of Hill House is the one about mental illness that may or may not be in a haunted house. Uh, I was Roddy McDowell in uh, Legend of Hell House, which is a great. Ghost movie from 1976, I believe. Um, <clears throat> Alrighty, that's all I got on the listener mail. Uh, before I move on, I should tell you that while I was doing horror news, the cowboy texted me, and he says, Werewolves for vote, and I'll get a good email in for next week. Work was a shit show. Hope everyone is doing well and you have company tonight. Uh, and that's it. So, okay, I'm going to put you down for the werewolves. Cowboy, and two more for Tom Hardy, and that is about that. Thank you guys very much for writing in. Freddy, Cat, Tom Hardy, Alan, you guys are the best. I hope everyone had a happy and safe 4th of July. Uh, nobody got blown up or anything like that, I hope. Uh, in the meantime, I think it's time to get myself into a movie, ladies and gentlemen. Your girlfriend, you take care of her.
That's right, Daddy. We're talking about Evil Dead from 1981. This one got 7.4 stars on IMDb. That's a full 3.1 stars better than President Evil. Written and directed by Sam Raimi. It stars the Bruce Campbell. Ellen Sandwies and Betsy Baker comes in at a solid NC-17 rating, which I guess is the equivalent to a rated R movie, I think. I'm not just sure about that anymore. Um, God damn, I know you've seen it. I know you've seen it. Don't act like you don't. Don't act like you haven't. I know you have. You've seen the first one. This, uh, if Jason Harrell were here, would say is the only actual horror movie in this franchise except possibly the remake. That could very well be true, and I'm not going to say otherwise. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it isn't. I'm just saying it possibly could be, because as we go deeper down the Evil Dead rabbit hole, things are going to get pretty fucking silly, boys and girls. But let's keep it here in horror land for for this week, shall we? Um, made in 1981. Even though it, I should say it was actually released in 1981, made in 1979, and it feels more... To me, like a 70s horror movie than an 80s horror movie. Uh, I'm basing that solely on like the style of dress, the haircuts, things like that. Um, this, I think, may be our very first Cabin in the Woods movie. And I'm not, I don't mean our first here in the padded room. I mean the first Cabin in the Woods movie. This kind of set the precedence of what could go wrong in a Cabin in the Woods. Now, I'm not suggesting... You can't really call Friday the 13th a Cabin in the Woods movie. Because while there were cabins in the woods, it was a summer camp situation. And there's a big difference there. God damn it. So, we're going to start off with five kids. Kids! I'm going to call them kids. College, uh, I don't know, probably sophomores maybe. Uh, Originally from Michigan. And as we go further down the rabbit hole of this franchise... And the backstories of these characters. We're going to learn more. I'm not going to cover all of it because we don't find a lot of this shit out until we get into Ash versus Evil Dead. But again, we have to decide what we're going to call canon here and what we're not. Because there are some, shall we say, leapfrogs. I don't want to call them plot holes, but there's some, th- there's some strangeness afoot. Especially when we get into next week's movie. Alright, anyway... Uh, we got five kids headed up to a cabin in the woods for a weekend or, a, I don't know, maybe a week of partying, resting, and relaxation. We are in the ten- Tennessee wilderness here, my friends. These kids are from Michigan. We have Scotty, who is going to be, who I thought was going to be our hero, but he turned out not quite to be. We have Ashley, whom we all know and love. We have uh, Cheryl. We have Ash's girlfriend, Linda, and we have Scott's girlfriend, Shelly. Um, I mean, these are your typical 1980s party kids. There's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, party down. Woo! A lot of drinks being mixed. Unfortunately, most of that isn't going to... We're, we're not going to get too deep into the party before the bloodshed starts. So... If you're, there is going to be some boobies. We got that going for us, but uh, not too much on the on the actual parting. In fact, I think they just have dinner and call it a night, really. So uh, we're driving. We, we're getting deeper and deeper into the woods. Now, I'm all for 
partying in a cabin in the woods. I do I do it every year on my wife's birthday. I take her and a bunch of friends up to Donner Lake, and uh, we get a cabin up there, and we uh, drink until we uh, pee in each other's butts is what we do. That's what we try to do anyway. Um, but this cabin they're going to. First off, it's not. it doesn't have like an address. It's literally a shanty in the middle of the woods. Uh, what are we talking about? Probably one bedroom, um, really shabby bathroom, small living room, smaller kitchen, and uh, it's it it looks like um, it looks like it's been abandoned for probably the better part of a, a century, maybe even like maybe like 80 years just kind of hanging there. I'm not even sure how they got electric up there to be, to be honest with you. Uh, anyway, they got to go down like a dirt road and then they cut through a bunch of trees. There's not even a, if you watch the opening sequence of this movie where they're going to the cabin, there's that long drawn out process of them just driving through the woods. There's not even really a road there. They're just we, like weaving in between trees and shit. Eventually they get to the cabin. Um, for a second on the way up, Scotty loses control of the car and kind of veers off the road, almost runs some, some truck over, runs a truck off the road, runs over some, uh, some hitchhikers and stuff. Uh, and then they knock some, some planks out of a, uh, covered bridge, rickety old thing, Tennessee, man, you know, that's, that's old country for those of you that aren't from the United States. Uh, eventually they get to the bridge. Now, before we, but let me give you a little backstory about me and the Evil Dead before we get into the meat and potatoes of this movie. Um, I have a long and storied history with this movie. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to have to recant my earlier conversation about letting your kids watch horror movies because I saw this one when I was uh, the ripe old age of six and it fucked me up pretty good. Um, my parents were basically non-present <laughs> for a good chunk of my childhood. And thus, like my kids, I was allowed to watch whatever I wanted. Now, how I came to watch this movie at the age of six. Let me explain. Um, going into our local video store, which was Reno Video at the time. It's now long gone. Um, they had the horror section, which, as I mentioned in previous podcasts, backed right up to the porno section. So it was nothing for me and my friends to go in there, grab random horror movies off the shelves, just so we could see the back of the porno uh, section movies, which was where all the boobies were. Uh, but more to the point, just above the horror section was a poster for Evil Dead 2. Okay, we're talking like 85, 86, somewhere in there. Uh, now, Evil Dead 2... With that iconic poster, the skull with the eyeballs looking at you, that is, we love it, we know it, we love it, it's, a lot of people have it tattooed on them, things like that, it's great, Uh, but that is the vaguest poster you've ever seen in your life, am I right? At no point in Evil Dead 2 does a skull with two living eyeballs uh, poke its head around the corner and gaze at you lustfully, like it does in that poster, so... Having never seen Evil Dead 1, we would, me and my one or two friends that I had would go into the movie store to, you know, scope some boobies, uh, but constantly look up at this Evil Dead 2 poster and wonder what the fuck that movie was about. 
they, of course, this was before Evil Dead 2 came out, or at least before it hit the uh, the shelves there at the video store, so we couldn't rent it. Um, but you know, what is that, man? Is that the Grim Reaper? If it's a Grim Reaper, why don't they call the movie Grim Reaper? You know? what? It's a killer skeleton? Is that what it is? It's a killer skeleton. It gets up and chases you around. That's not very scary. Anyway, eventually, one day we go in there with our usual uh, 10 12 bucks to rent some movies for the week. And lo and behold, there in the horror section is a copy of Evil Dead 1. Now, as you'll re- you might recall, the box art for Evil Dead 1 wasn't that much more um, identifiable. It didn't really tell you much. Uh, basically, it was, or at least the copy they had there at Reno Video, was a copy, it, it was a picture of a guy like coming out of the ground and reaching up. And then a bunch of hands coming out of the ground as if to grab him and pull him back down. And it may have even been a chick. You couldn't tell really from the box art. But we were intrigued. We knew we wanted to see Evil Dead 2 to get to the bottom of this possible Grim Reaper movie. Uh, But we wanted to figure out what this whole Evil Dead business was about. So one day, finally, we rented Evil Dead 1 and took it home to my house. Because, of course, my parents were just off doing their own thing and didn't give a shit about what I was doing. Popped it in the old VCR and uh, hit play, and here we go. Now, I was fine up until a certain point, which I'm going to get into very shortly. But I do distinctly remember this opening scene of the kids walking up to the cabin. And that you'll you know exactly what I'm talking about. The porch swing banging against the wall in the cabin as Scotty approaches the cabin door looking for the key. As soon as he puts the key in the lock, the banging stops and the porch swing is mysteriously still. Now, special effects wise, that was very cheap to do, but it set a very good tone, a very creepy tone for the rest of the movie. So at this point in the film, we could be led to believe that this is just a haunted cabin. And there's going to be some ghosty stuff going on. It's probably going to be creepy. Uh, maybe one of these kids will will have to kill one of these kids off or something. But for the most part, we're going to be okay here. Now, once they get inside the cabin, it's creepy as shit. Dilapidated as fuck. It literally looks like nobody has set foot in this place in about 80 years. How they even have uh, running water and electricity up there, I have no idea. Uh They get the the car unpacked. Everybody's having a great time. Um, We get some food going on, some drinks. We get the big party down sequence. Now, just before that, though, we have a weird... Things are already just a little weird in this cabin. And you have to remember the movie was made in 1976. This was before Airbnb. Uh, This was before... I don't, I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't know why these kids would go to this cabin. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you had any illusions about getting laid in this cabin, you can wad those up and throw them right out the window. I don't think you have brought enough alcohol uh, to get these chicks out of their panties in this disgusting fucking uh, lean-to with, that you have brought them to. If I took my wife to this cabin, she would kick me square in the nuts and then she would probably make me take like a DDT shower to get all the the crotch crickets <laughs> or whatever off me. Um, anyway, they're they're kids. They're getting drunk. They're partying. They're partying down, as Scotty puts it. 
and then Cheryl has like a weird uh, situation. Um, basically, Cheryl is our, our lofty artist, hippie type of the group, I guess. I don't know. Uh, later on, uh, but not until we get into Ash versus Evil Dead, we'll find out that Cheryl was actually Ashley's, Ash's sister. That's never alluded to in the movie or in anywhere else in the franchise that I recall. But uh, anyway, Cheryl is sketching the grandfather clock, and all of a sudden the clock stops. She's like, oh, that's weird. Clock stopped. And then, like, some mysterious free-writing force, I guess, for lack of a better term, makes her turn the page on her sketch pad and draw what I always thought looked more like a McDonald's Happy Meal, but looking at it now looks more like the the book. We'll get more into the book as we go. Um, and she's like, oh, that was fucking weird. And then she just kind of, all right, whatever. Ugh. Take, like shrugs it off. And then we get the party down sequence. As they're partying down, the there's a door in the floor that leads to the basement. Now, we all know what I'm talking about. It's uh, creepy as shit because it's, it's got like a pulley system attached to it so that it can be chained closed from the upper fl- from the ground floor. As if to say you could if you wanted to imprison somebody in the basement of this disgusting uh, dilapidated cabin. Why would you need that? Well, we'll get into it and you will need that and it'll make sense but not until the next movie, but it will make sense as to why we would need that. So for moving forward, we're partying down. All of a sudden, the door to the basement bursts open and sl- it like slams open. And everybody's like, what the fuck was that? And they go and look and nobody noticed the door to the basement before. So they're like, oh, there's a fucking basement. Okay, so we stand around the basement for a few minutes and we're all kind of daring each other to go down there. Eventually, Scotty being the, uh, whom I thought was going to be the stud of the movie, is like, all right, you cowards, I'll go down there and I'll check it out. It's probably an animal or something. So he goes down there and he starts poking around. A couple minutes go by. A couple more minutes go by. A couple more minutes go by. No sound, no nothing. Just darkness down there and dead silence. Eventually, Ash is like, hey, Scotty, quit playing around, huh? <laughs> so ash goes down there to figure out what's going on with scotty uh basement creepy as fuck and this movie i feel like kind of set the tone for creepy basements if you want to get yourself a creepy basement what you got to do is put the staircase that goes down there but just with the slat stairs you know what i mean so that at any point somebody could reach out from underneath the stairs and grab you by the ankle that's what's really going to creep the fuck out of you uh, eventually Ash goes down there. It's creepy as shit. There's a bunch of stuff hanging from the ceiling. He's walking around looking at things, notices a door in the back of the basement. He's like, Oh, look at this. And this is where Scotty jumps out and we get a nice little jump scare. And he's like, Hey, gotcha. <laughs> hey, come back here. Look at this shit. Takes him back there. And this is where things get ugly. My friends, uh, we've got the book, the book. You know what it is. You've seen it. You've uh, heard talk of it. It's the book. They also have the tape recorder laying on a table. We also have a box of shotgun shells, a shotgun, a mysterious looking 
it it looks more like a saw in this particular movie. Um, it's got it's like got like a metal saw blade, but the handle is like a weird monkey skeleton looking thing. Later on, we'll figure out what exactly that thing is and how it plays into things. It's going to get a facelift before we get to the next movie, though. Uh, it's very, very creepy. Uh, but here's something else I want to draw your attention to. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but in this particular scene, as Scotty and Ash are looking through all this shit and making plans of taking it upstairs to figure out what's going on, just on the wall behind the desk is a movie poster that has been ripped in half. Now, some of you may not have known this, but this, my friends, was a retaliatory act on the part of Sam Raimi. Allow me to explain. What you're looking at right here in this scene is a very notable and very identifiable movie poster for The Hills Have Eyes that has been ripped in half and is kind of sitting on the wall at a bizarre canted angle. Now, believe me, I'm all for movie posters. Anybody who's been in this room with me can attest to that. Uh, but this is a very strange place to put that movie poster. It's going to bear uh, some importance in the horror, I guess, legend <laughs> or something of Evil Dead. So what this was, the the placement of that poster and making sure that we saw it up there, it, despite how weirdly out of place it was, was a... Act of retaliation on the part of Sam Raimi. So, if you go back and you watch The Hills Have Eyes, directed by Wes Craven, in that that movie, there is a scene in which the uh, radiated mutants, or whatever you want to call them, attack the camper. And at one point, while uh, I believe it's just before the parakeet's head, head gets bit off, you'll notice on the back of the camper wall, there's a Jaws movie poster. That is ripped in half and laying at a weird angle. Now, nobody has come out and advertently said what that was supposed to signify. But a lot of people, uh, Sam Raimi in particular, thought that that was Wes Craven saying to the world, Hey, Jaws isn't real horror. This, the hills have eyes. This is real horror. So Sam Raimi, uh, despite the fact that he had nothing to do with Jaws or any anything to that matter, uh took it on himself to reply to Wes Craven by placing this poster in this scene, ripping it in half, and putting up putting it up on the wall in the exact same fashion that the Jaws movie poster was placed in the, uh, um, what do you call, uh, trailer there in The Hills Have Eyes. Now, Wes Craven, of course, saw that. And we can fast forward uh, three years, I believe, to A Nightmare on Elm Street, where Nancy Thompson is falling asleep. And uh, wouldn't you know, she's got Glenn, Johnny Depp on the phone, and she's, Glenn, don't fall asleep. And wouldn't you know, she looks over at her little uh, fucking 13-inch TV, and what does she happen to be watching? The Evil Dead. So that was Wes Craven's reply to Sam Raimi, saying, hey, fucko, your movie is not real horror. This movie is real horror. I don't believe Sam Raimi ever... um, came back after that he might have we'll we'll dig deeper into that as we go all right anyway so there's that they take all this shit upstairs and the the girls start sorting through it and they look through the book the book itself um at the it in the in the original evil dead it's very shabby looking 
it does not look very good at all. It looks more like a pamphlet with a beat to fuck. Um, like, remember, remember when you went to school in like the fourth grade and you had to cover your books and usually your mom just like scotch taped a paper bag around it. That's kind of what this looks like, except somebody cut like the shape of a face out of the, the front of it. It's pretty shabby looking and there's not a lot of pages in it, but um, it's fine. Take it upstairs. Start fucking around. Continue with the partying. Um, we, uh, we decide to play the tape. And the tape is pretty gnarly. Basically, it's an audio reel-to-reel tape. And it's the, I guess, audio diary of a archaeologist who has uncovered some Kandarian ruins somewhere in the Middle East and has brought in some of the artifacts you recovered there back to this remote cabin in Tennessee to further study them away from the distractions of academia and uh, civilized civilization, I guess. I'm sure you could do much better somewhere else, sir, but that's fine. Uh, so there he is, uh, and he's like, okay, I will now translate the, uh, the, the book here. He identifies the book as, uh, what is it? Uh, Nacheron de Manto, roughly translated the Book of the Dead. We're gonna we're gonna tune that up a little bit in the next movie also. Um it's supposed to be a Kandarian uh book of burial rites and possible resurrection spells. Very scary stuff. Uh so Cheryl at this point is like, you know what, let's just turn this off. This is boring. And Scotty's like, no, I want to hear what he has to say. So he fast forwards a little bit and we jump right into the translation, which is just this professor guy um, reading verbatim from the book. It's in weird Kandarian language. As the, the tape is playing, something is awakening out in the woods. We know this because there's a bunch of smoke coming out of... Um, fuck the ground i guess with piles of dead leaves and things like that and as the uh tape is playing now we get that roving camera shot that zooming towards the camera situation that's exactly the sound that it makes by the way um as it's zooming towards the camera and eventually cheryl's like turn it off and they turn it off just as a tree branch blows into the window and uh breaks the glass very scary stuff. Uh, big shouting match between Scott and Ash. Hey, man, you knew she was freaked out. Why'd you keep playing the tape? Hey, shut up, man. You were playing it too. Uh, Cheryl's a little freaked out. So she's like, you know what? I'm going to bed here. Uh, everybody decides to call it a night. Just before they call it a night, though, we get a very sweet romantic scene between Ash and his girlfriend, Linda, played by Betsy Baker, in which... Ash is presenting her with a gift that he bought her, a necklace. I don't know what the fuck this thing is. (laughs) It appears to be either a monocle or a miniature uh, magnifying glass, I guess. Um, I don't know. I've never seen a piece of jewelry like that in my life, and I don't know why you would buy that for somebody unless they were nearsighted in one eye only. So, anyway, he gives it to her. She's all hot in the panties for it. Um, now, however, that that zoom camera, whatever the fuck that thing was, is now skulking about the outside of the uh, the cabin. Uh, we get a neat little scene of Scotty and Shelly, uh, possibly on the point of coitus 
if you will. And Shelly does take her top off. You don't really get to see much, though. Uh, as the thing passes by Cheryl's window, she kind of gets like, oh, hey, there's something out there. There's something going on in the window there. So she, um, being the fuck, having the, the only set of balls <laughs> in this movie, she throws on her bathrobe and goes marching right out into the woods. She's like, hey, you fucker. I know you're out there. I just saw, I heard you in the basement earlier. Why don't you go ahead and fuck off? And instead of calling it a night, she marches about a quarter mile out into the grim darkness of the Tennessee wilderness in a bathrobe to try to track down the source of this, uh, I don't know, this weird feeling she's got, I guess. Wouldn't you know, wouldn't you fucking know, while she's out there, the goddamn forest comes alive, t- uh, restrains her, knocks her down, uh, rips big chunks of her... Um, uh, bathrobe and under, I guess, pajamas off, uh, and basically rapes her. That's basically what happens. Now, let's rewind about, uh, I don't know, 29 years ago when I was six years old watching this. Uh, this particular part of the movie scared the fucking piss out of me. Number one, that's scary as shit. I don't want any, that the idea of having like a, a disgusting, uh, tree branch shoved inside me but more to the point the fact that if you watch this scene cheryl looks like she's into it for a minute or two right once once penetrate like the boobs come out the thing is the 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 woods are like caressing her breasts the the woods apparently are a very sensual lover in that particular part of of tennessee they will uh make sure that you get yours if you understand what i'm saying ladies but regardless uh Right up the in between the legs, it spread the spreads the legs, and then in it goes. And for a second or two, Cheryl is like, "Oh yeah." Uh, uh, uh. Eventually, she gets free and goes hauling ass back to the cabin. Boobs jangling as she runs. It's wonderful. I'll tell you what, uh, Ellen Sandwies, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty attractive young lady, circa nineteen seventy nine. Okay. She makes it back. She's freaking out. Her skin is, uh, you know, she's got bruises and cuts and everything. Uh, her clothes are all torn up. She wakes everybody up. Jesus fucking Christ. You never believe what happened to me. Uh, she, like, screams and yells, and she convinces Ash to take her back into town. Uh, her and Ash hop in the car. They go driving down the road. Goddamn bridge is out. The bridge is out all of a sudden. They can't go any further. They have no choice but to turn around and come back to the cabin. Okay, well, it's late. Uh, we're all up now. Um, I mean, s- obviously something happened to Cheryl out there. We don't know what, but uh, she's clearly had the shit kicked out of her and uh, her clothes are all torn. I guess we'll just wait till uh, the sun comes up and then we'll see if maybe we can find a way around that bridge. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to get the party going again. And we're going to start by doing a weird... Um, I guess psychic exercise or something like that where uh, Shelly is pulling cards out of a regular 52 card deck and Linda is trying to guess what the card is but Cheryl who's kind of catatonic is just staring out the window uh, waiting for something to happen in the woods and Cheryl is yelling out the cards as uh, Shelly is, is pulling them 
with 100% accuracy. She turns around, she's fucking possessed. Oh, shit. And this is where we get that iconic scene of Cheryl levitating. Uh, her eyes are whited out and she's all pale. And she's like, we are what was and will be again. We'll come for you one by one and we'll take you all. <laughs> and then down she goes. Uh, this is where the chaos begins. Well, I mean, the chaos already started, but this is where the, the bloodshed begins. Uh, she gets up, puts a pretty good ass kicking on Ash and Scott, uh, manages to stab Linda in the ankle, more like in the Achilles area with a number two pencil. Fuck. That looks like it really fucking hurts. Uh, Cheryl or Linda screams and kind of passes out. Eventually, we manage to subdue what is now possessed Cheryl and kind of like roundhouse kick her into the basement and get that chain pulley system wrapped around it so she can't get out. Now, the motherfucker of this basement is that the door opens on a hinge and there's enough play in the chain to where she can, she can't get out, but she can open it just enough to talk a bunch of shit to you as the night goes on. And you can see her disgusting, uh, wrinkled, uh, I guess, possessed face as she's doing it. That's uh, good times. <laughs> Everybody's like, what the fuck? All right, well, that is, she is just completely out of line. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue with Plan Alpha. Uh, we're going to wait till the sun comes up, and then we are going to, um, I don't know, we're going to maybe uh, tie her hands behind her back, and then we're going to drive around and hopefully find a way around that bridge, and we'll get uh, Linda's ankle looked at, and hopefully everything's going to be okay after that. So that's what happens. Everybody's like, oh, you know what? We're going to get a little sleep. And uh, sorry, Cheryl. Check you out in the morning. Uh, as Scott and Shelly are getting ready for bed, our entity shows up outside the window again. This time it busts in, grabs Shelly, takes her out, away. Uh, Ash and Scotty are looking for her. What? I don't know. They're like checking the bathtub. And clearly she was in the bedroom. The window broke. Now she's not in the bedroom. Why are we wasting time checking the bathtub? I don't know. <laughs> Eventually, they make their way into the living room, and they're like, you go check the woods. I'm not checking the woods. You go check the woods. As they're having this asinine conversation, Shelly shows up again. She's now possessed. Puts a pretty good beat down on Ash and Scotty again. This time, as she's tussling with Scotty, Scotty manages to throw her into the fire. Uh, her head catches on fire. And she's just laying there in the fire. Scotty's like, oh, shit, that's my girlfriend for a second. Pulls her out. And then she's like, oh, my pretty flesh was on fire. Blah. Gets up. The tussle continues. Uh, in the throes of it this time, um, Scotty, or actually, she grabs the weird skeleton dagger and is coming at Scotty with it. In a really weird move, though, she, like, decides that that's not good enough. So she bites, she's holding it with one hand. She bites that hand off and grabs it with the, that hand with the other hand, which is now severed, and starts chasing Scotty with it again. Uh, Ash finally grows a pair and jumps in and manages to shank um, Shelly with that particular dagger, which causes her to uh, basically melt into a big puddle of yuck. <laughs> it's wonderful. Uh, it's disgusting, actually, is what it is. It looks like uh, oatmeal and some other crud. I don't know. 
All right, that's nasty, man. That's gross. And uh, that's one girlfriend down. Uh, yeah, one girlfriend down so far. So she just keeps coming, though. Eventually, Scotty's like, we got we to do something. So they chop her up into little bits, and they take her out in the woods and bury her. Uh, completely dismember her, and they bury her in this little burial mound there with a cross on it. Uh, not much thought. Uh, put into what we're going to tell Shelly's family or if we're going to report this to the authorities, I guess. I, yeah, I guess it's just something we're going to have to figure out later. All right, that's fine. Uh, now Scott is officially freaked out and he's like, you know what? I'm getting out of here, man. This is this is freaky. And he's like, Ash is like, hey, what about Linda? She can't walk. That's your girlfriend. You take care of her. Scott is a world-class pussy, Okay. This is about the time Ash was a pretty big pussy up until this point. He officially handed off the pussy torch to Scotty, and now Scotty is the pussy of the of the crew here. Scotty just runs out the door. He's like, I'm going to go on foot out into the fucking woods in the dark, Tennessee. Cheryl told you earlier that she got raped by the woods. Okay, that's creepy. So now Ash is left there by himself with his possessed sister in the basement who is still talking shit and laughing at him the whole time. And now out comes Linda uh, with her uh, fucking ankle injury and she is now full on possessed. And they did a weird thing with uh, Betsy Baker here. Not sure if it's the the route I would have went with, but they basically turned her into a baby doll with the make a possessed baby doll. Creepy, sure, um, but not really in line with the rest of the possessed ladies of this film. Uh, at first, she comes out and she just sits down in the hallway, cross-legged style, and starts cackling at Ash. He 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 he. I can't even do it. Uh, Ash is like, ah, what the fuck? <laughs> Cheryl is still popping up her head and, oh, dead by dawn, dead by dawn. Bah, we're gonna get you. So Ash starts playing the the tape recorder again, seeing if he can come up with a way to, like, reverse this shit. Uh, Doesn't really figure anything out. Eventually, Scotty comes back to the cabin. Now he has had the living shit kicked out of him. And I like to think that he also was raped by the woods. We didn't get to see it, and it's never alluded to, and he doesn't talk about it. I wouldn't talk about it either if it happened to me. What happened in the woods? Oh, it fell down. Yeah. Uh, my butthole hurts, but I, I just fell down. <laughs> um, he's had the living shit kicked out of him. He's got like a broken stick uh, shoved in his leg like he's been stabbed with it. It's He's all fucked up. Uh, Ash sits him down. He's like, hey, man, hey, uh, everything's cool. Uh, you know, I see you're pretty banged up, but, you know, once the sun comes up, we're all going to get out of here. You're going to love it. And then as he's having that conversation with Scott, Scott pretty much just dies. He just stops drops a glass of water and he's checked out he's gone he's dead i I think he's dead uh that's pretty gnarly uh from there um linda attacks ash and he's got to fight her off uh drags her outside uh she starts with the cackling again starts breaking through the cabin trying to get at him a big struggle ensues Eventually, he knocks her out, and he takes her out to the tool shed where we find the chainsaw. Clamps her down to the table, and he's like, well, I'm just going to have to dismember this bitch. But just before he actually gets to work, he kind of remembers that that's his girlfriend, and he loves her, and he sees the goddamn necklace that he bought her, and he's like, I can't. 
I can't, I can't chop her up into little pieces. Fucking fuck. So he instead just buries her as is. So that's what he does. He's just about to put the necklace on the grave. And in a very Carrie White moment, she reaches out, uh, grabs his wrist, and the struggle ensues again. Uh, this time she kicks the shit out of him, knocks him down, goes to do like a five-star frog splash on him off the top rope. But at the last second, he gets the shovel spade up and it catches her right in the neck and cuts her head off. Thunk. Okay, well, yeah, now that just now we got to bury her again, god damn it. Uh, after all of this back and forth and the, the dismemberment and the shovel and the burying and the reburying, finally, he's like, okay, I am safe. I am the only living person except for Cheryl who's in the basement. I, I will wait till sunshine and then I will go make do something. I don't know. So he goes back inside, motherfucker, if goddamn Cheryl didn't get out of the basement somehow. Basement's wide open. Shit. Okay, now we got to think fast there, Ash. He's got the shotgun, but the barrel, the, the fucking shells are still in the down there by the Hills Have Eyes poster in the basement. So he goes down there to get the shells, and that's where Cheryl attacks. Big struggle ensues. Bang, bang, bang. Fight him, beat him, scratch him. Scotty pops up. He's now possessed also. Son of a bitch. Uh, eventually, Ash kind of just by happenstance and mirth accidentally kicks the uh, the book, the Nacheron de Monto, into the fire. And he notices that that kind of damages the two possessed. So he's like, okay, I got to throw that motherfucker in there. So he uses his, as Scotty is like trying to drag him away, uh, he uses the necklace that Cheryl ga- or that he gave Cheryl, which was, we all know, on the ground in like a weird skull shape. He grabs it and then he uses it like a fishing line basically to hook the mouth thing, mouth opening of the Nacheron D'Amato, pulls it and then tosses it in the fire and then our two possessed guys just pause. They stop, freeze completely and then the book itself does like a weird tongue move where like a tongue comes out of the face and like licks it. And then they both uh, basically collapse onto the floor and dissolve into mush. Ash is like, whoo, Jesus Christ. Good thing I thought of that book thing. Uh, Now the sun is coming out and he's like, well, I am going to get the fuck out of here, finally. Uh, As he's making his way to the car, we get that camera zoom monster thing again. Ash turns just as it's coming up on him, and boom, that's the end of your movie. That is Evil Dead, my friends. Um, What can I say about this movie? I really love it, and I'm going to tell you why. I love a Cabin in the Woods movie. Not just that movie, Cabin in the Woods. I like that one, too. But anything that is isolated in a cabin in the woods. This one I kind of feel like set the precedence. And it even has a supernatural element, not just a fucking knucklehead and a uh, uh, a fun mask with a fucking hatchet or something like that, you know? Those are fine too, but if you give me some kind of an evil vortex kind of a thing in the woods, that's where I want to go. Blair Witch. Give me, a, give me a Blair Witch in the woods. I like that too. Um, we're going to... Getting into the rest of the movies in this franchise... We're going to have to pretend like a lot of what I just told you never happened. And a lot of these characters never <laughs> existed. I know. Uh, but then later on, they are going to exist. So it's a weird fucking thing. I'll explain it more as the, the week goes on, the month goes on. 
Good show. I know you've seen it. Watch it again, why don't you? It's a good show. This is probably the scariest we're going to get in in the month of July. From here on out, it's nothing but slapstick humor, um, flying skeletons. Um, I uh, Well, I get, the remake gets pretty bloody, but there's that. Or if you want to call that a remake, I don't know. Anyway, I'm going to take myself a little break here, friends. Go watch Evil Dead. Go do it. But what are you in a, a big rig? Freddy, pull over, watch Evil Dead. You're going to love that shit. I, you already do. You own it, clearly. Cat, you too. You're not in a rig, but whenever you get an hour and a half to spare, pop it in there. I'm going to take a little break. I'll come back with some other stuff for you.
Hey inmates, if you like what you hear, head over to the Padded Room Facebook group and support us through the patron link with a small monthly donation. Check out the T-Villain link at paddedroom.podbean.com and grab some t-shirts. Thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the show. And I am back, ladies and gentlemen. I'll tell you what, my friends. Uh, I think these movies, these Evil Dead movies in particular, have had an adverse uh, effect on me. Because now I can't wait to get out to a cabin in the woods. I got married in a cabin in the woods. And believe me, I was looking upside down and inside out trying to find like a basement or any place somebody might have stashed an old dirty book or a tape recorder or even a cool spine shank dagger looking thing. No, none of that. None of that at all. Um, I didn't even find any hidden cameras or any of that stuff. Boring. All right, you maniacs, are you ready to get into another week of Terra Dome action? God damn it, I'm all tangled up. No tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. I'm not going to hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. I'll kill you all. <laughs> I'll try to be crazy and kill you. I'll dream come true. Six-year-old child with his blind, pale, emotionless face. The blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. Welcome to the Terradome. Let's start things off with last week's winner, shall we? In team's competition, we had the werewolves versus the home invaders. The locals had picked this night for their fun due to the full moon. More illumination would make the vacationers easier to spot should they make it out of the cabin and flee into the woods. What the thrill killers didn't know was that moonlight shifted the biology of these particular vacationers and none of them were left alive to tell the tale. With a vote of 10 to 2, the werewolves advance over the home invaders. Um, Kat made some interesting points about the possible preparedness of home invaders versus werewolves. You're dealing with apex predators, though, Kat, is the thing. And especially, like, you know, heightened senses, things like that. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get past the werewolves. Not with guns. Even if you do have silver bullets, I don't think you are. Maybe if you had like a high power sniper rifle and there was only one werewolf, possibly. I don't know. Uh, I got to tell you though, I saw that one coming. Let's take a look at this week's matchup, shall we? We are in the Asylum Conference Round Five. As usual, inmates. I'm not a writer, so don't expect too much out of me. <laughs> People disappear in New Mexico all the time. Sometimes in the cities, sometimes in the suburbs, but most of the time it's in the vast and barren desert that makes up the state. 
One stretch of desert in particular, a former nuclear testing range used by the U.S. military, now mostly empty and highly radiated. Local legend says that some of the old homesteaders refused to leave after the army bought the land and burrowed into old mines when the bombardment began. Another local legend says that the indigenous wildlife on that range has begun to change. Rabbits the size of horses are breeding out of control and are now wandering into small towns in search of food. Either legend could be true, or both, but one thing that isn't legend is the number of people that go missing in that particular stretch of New Mexico desert. Team's competition, we have the mutant cannibals versus the giant rabbits. Um, this, could, this one could really go either way. I, I, I think I have to go with the mutant cannibals on this one, though. I feel like giant rabbits just have strength of numbers and could easily, like, stampede the cannibals. But at the same time, they're still fucking rabbits, you know? I, with the exception of Night of the Lepus, I think they're pretty much usually vegetarian. But I'll give you, I'll say, okay, maybe they're, they eat people. Um, I gotta go, with, I'm gonna go with the mutant cannibals on this one. I don't know. Give me a scenario in which the rabbits win, I guess, is what I need. I'm going to take the, the cannibals. That's your Terra Dome matchup for the weekend, mates. It's mutant cannibals versus giant rabbits. Uh, the mental health hotline is area code 775-387-0275. Or get me on the regular old email, thepaddedroom2011 at hotmail.com. While you're contemplating that matchup, I'm now going to tell you what movies I have gotten, got, Got or gotten to watch this week in a little segment called, What Are You Looking At? What are you looking at? Hey, how about Revealer from 2022? This one's streaming on Shudder. Uh, I didn't care for this one, man. I didn't, I didn't particularly like it at all. So basically you have a, um, sex worker and a Christian fundamentalist that gets stuck in a dirty old peep show, uh, during the apocalypse and they hate each other. But as the movie goes on, they learn to work together and explore their differences and eventually form a lesbian relationship. And that, that's like 99% of your movie. The, the remaining 1% is the horror movie, and even that part is pretty dumb. I'm not going to reveal it. I'm not going to reveal I'm not going to spoil this one for you because it's fairly new. I'm going to say you can fucking skip it unless you just want to uh, see these two chicks learn to not hate each other as much and possibly uh, have sex with each other. That's what the, that's the crux of the movie is these two chicks uh falling in love i guess it's not it wasn't for me man maybe is anybody else out there see revealer yet if so i would love to hear your thoughts and why you liked it if you liked it i couldn't get into it uh what else we got here the long night from 2022 this one is a pretty good show uh scout taylor compton in this one uh this one would have fit perfectly into cult month last month in the padded room because this one gets pretty fucking gnarly. Uh, you got a another Airbnb situation. This one's not a cabin in the woods, though. It's like a plantation. And a group of right nutsacks show up to fuck with this young couple. And uh, 
There's it, it goes supernatural on us, which I love. And there's a lot of uh, you know demons and shit. I, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it's pretty. I I rather enjoyed this one. It's not the best thing I've ever seen, but. Uh, I don't have too much to complain about it. It's got Deborah Cara Unger in it. I don't know if you remember her. And Jeff Fahey. Uh, love those two. Well, I was always hot for Deborah Cara Unger. You'll remember her from Silent Hill. She played uh, Alessa's mom. Um, she was also in White Noise. Um, what else? God damn it. Uh, she's, been, she's got a very recognizable face. I've always thought she was hot. Uh, I watched that, and I also watched Savage Land from 2015. This one is a nice little mockumentary, unsolved mystery-style movie. Uh, pretty good show. Basically, what you have is a very, very small border town on the Arizona-Mexico border. About 50 people get killed there in the course of one night. One guy survives. They find him the next day. And he's covered in blood. And uh, basically what we discover, or what we're led to believe, is that a miniature zombie apocalypse happened in this small town. And this one poor immigrant dude had to go around and kill everybody to keep from getting turned into a zombie. And uh, this is the follow-up mockumentary of like the conspiracy and the cover-up and... Uh, uh, all the, the pictures that were taken throughout the, the sequence of events. It's pre- it's not bad. I found this one on Tubi. I went ahead and bought the uh, DVD. I think I let Harold borrow it. I don't remember. Uh, it's not bad, if you don't mind a mockumentary style. It's worth checking out, I'd say. That is all I'm looking at, inmates. Let's do a little immersion therapy, huh? Immersion therapy. Has anybody else seen The Hunt from 2020? I am embarrassed to admit that I have not seen it up until earlier this week. I seen the trailers for it and I thought to myself, that is a whole lot of political posturing. I don't want to fucking deal with it, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, Harold basically strong-armed me into watching it by making it immersion therapy, so I had to finally watch it. Loved it! Immediately went out and bought the Blu-ray on Amazon. Uh, Haven't gotten a chance to check out the special features yet, but it's a great show. It's more of an action comedy, I'd say, although there is plenty of blood and guts in there, but um, it's a pretty good show. Uh, I love it. Dude, that fight scene at the end, with Hillary Swank and uh, what's her name, Betty Gilpin. Betty Gilpin is a rather attractive young lady, and I know I have that weird thing about me where sometimes I think chicks look better when they're all beat up. Uh, I think she was pretty hot before she got beat up and after she got beat up. That's what I call my uh, Maria Bello syndrome. For some reason, Maria Bello always looks better to me with a with a black eye. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. I don't. I have no intention of uh, punching her or anything like that. But every movie, every third movie Maria Bello is in, uh, she gets beat up. And I guess I've just come to associate her with looking beat up. I'm sorry, but she's still hot, and so is Betty Gilpin. So there's that great movie. Uh, we found this one on Amazon Prime. 
but it's on one of their sub stacks. I think it was called Freevee TV or something like that. I had to watch it with commercials, which is a motherfucker. But got the Blu-ray right here, and I will watch it again without commercials at my leisure. If you haven't seen it, you're going to want to check that out. Put You can put it on Amazon Prime right now, absolutely free, but you got to sit through the commercials. What is your immersion therapy for this week, you ask? It is going to be The Accursed from 2021, starring Isabella Vitovic and Melora Walters, directed by Elizabeth uh, Vitovic. Find this bad guy streaming on Hulu, inmates. Check that shit out. We'll do the same, and we can compare notes next week. How does that sound? That sounds pretty good to me. But first, we got to educate me. Educating Miss Monica. First, my clues from last week. I have been offered a lot of money to prove the existence of life after death. Best way to go about, I think, is to go and live in what is known to be the most haunted house uh, in this country that I'm in. Uh, I'm talking, of course, about the Belasco House and uh, former home of Emmerich Belasco, who had a wild orgy party and then walled all of his partygoers up in the house and walked off, never to be seen again. Some of the things that went on there were vampirism, sadism, masochism, bestiality, necrophilia, other people putting penises in places they don't belong, I'm sure of it. I am the legend of Hell House. You know it, you've seen it. Um, it's. It, I think it holds up. I think it's still a good show. Uh, very horny, man. Those are some horny fucking ghosts in there. Uh there's one, well, I don't want to ruin it if you haven't seen it, but there's one scene where old boy's wife is ready to rock and roll with Roddy McDowell. <laughs> and she is not going to waste any time uh, mincing words about what she wants to do to old Roddy McDowell. Who might I be this week, you ask? That's a good question. Well, I am some kind of a uh, door-to-door salesman. And for some goddamn reason, I was given the worst possible region to go knock on doors uh, of. It's really just a stretch of highway with a bunch of uh, gross hotels and dilapidated trailer parks. I ain't selling shit here. Let's be honest. And what's even weirder is uh, that nobody seems to be in any of these buildings anywhere Uh, And my pager keeps going off. And I think whoever's paging me is accusing me of some kind of um, child sex crime or something. Fuck, I've got to get back to Los Angeles because my kid's birthday is coming up. And I got him him set up with a giant teddy bear. If I could just get my fucking ass back to Los Angeles, I got to make some sales on the way though. Shit! Who might I be, you ask? Tune in next week and I will drop some knowledge on you inmates. In the meantime, I think that's about going to do it for me this week. Thank you very much for joining me, for bearing with me through another solo show. I do apologize. Um, Join me next week for Evil Dead 2, of course, here in the padded room. Evil Dead Month. 
You too could control a month here of movies in the Padded Room. $5 donation over at the Patreon link. Go to paddedroom.podbean.com. Slap that little Patreon tag there off to the lower left-hand side. It'll take you right where you need to be. $5 will get you a Padded Room travel mug, a Padded Room t-shirt. Control of the month of September, I believe, is still open. And uh, as much hardcore porn as I can legally send you, um, or illegally. I don't know. I might be breaking laws in doing that. I have no idea. I should probably look into that. But in the meantime, I think that's about it for me, inmates. Thank you again for joining me. Uh, for Buddy in Absentia, Monica in Absentia, Jason Harrell in Absentia, um, p- people that still have pagers. I don't think any of them are out there anymore, but I'm sure somebody out there at least has one, like, in a desk drawer somewhere. Um, vampires, cabins in the woods with weird shit underneath them, um, haunted houses full of horny fucking ghosts, and the Padded Room Podcast. I'm afraid visiting hours are over. What fish tastes the best with peanut butter? A jellyfish.